Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast, You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, September 22, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? First and foremost, it was Kabuki Theater Day. What does that mean? It means we had the culmination of the Fed meeting, an interest rate decision, and a press conference. I couldn't tell you one hair of what Powell said today. I couldn't tell you what happened with the Fed commentary, with the press conference. I have no idea. The sound was not on at all. It doesn't make any difference. Here's what we do. We look at the charts and we have gateways. There's gateways up north. There's gateways down south. There's the look of the chart, the patterns that the chart is making on various time frames. From a smaller time frame, things begin to morph into larger time frames. And we don't really need to know what the rhetoric is. What we do need to know and have an awareness of is the fact that the market's going to go into EKG mode around the Fed. It like it happens around earnings announcements, same routine. What we try to do is find an area A, that the market is headed to, or B, that the market should get either supported at or rejected from. Which way it goes after the Fed, we really don't care. All we care about is having the numbers. Now that we've got the Fed kabuki nonsense behind us, let's move it along. Now we're back to looking at the big picture, and I want to make mention of something. We talked for a while about trading down into or up into the 22nd, which is today. Could have been yesterday, could have been the day after, but here's the story. They traded down into two days earlier. Does that count? Is that meaningful? And here's the answer. I don't know. This is the stuff that's not an exact science. It's not like If it doesn't happen exactly this way, you throw it away. That's not the case. It's more of an art form. So when we start talking about these longer-term cycles and stuff like that, then does trading down into two days earlier than the actual day that it falls on, is that meaningful? Is it kind of just a little bit early? And the big picture is we traded down into that period of time, and now we're going to bounce for a while, And here's what we have in front of us. We have a gap above. What's the likelihood they don't fill that gap? Well, we don't know. Obviously, they could just gap down tomorrow, never look back. That's always a possibility. But under normal garden variety conditions, and what that means is we use the 80-20 rule. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, 80% of the time, the large majority of time, it's going to be the same thing over and over. It's going to be the duck. They're going to go fill the gap. But the awareness is, and here's where the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew comes in. The awareness is they're not going to do it on your terms. They're going to pull back first. They're going to make it look like a failure, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, you look back and say, oh, well, there you have it. Now they filled the gap. We've seen this routine before. Maybe they do it tomorrow. Maybe they gap over it. Maybe they gap down and they leave you guessing, oh, maybe this is the failure. And by the way, if in fact they close below Monday's low, then it is the failure. Could they go down and retest Monday's low, close above it, make it look like the failure? 
Absolutely. What does that look like? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks exactly like this one here. Now, let's focus on this for a second. You might remember this when it was taking place, but here's the story. It's like the exact same setup without the failure or the look like failure failure yet. We don't know that's gonna happen, but it can happen. So here's the story. So they make a low and here's a gap, right? They gap down, they make a low. Now they come up and they did not fill the gap here. They came up short, I double checked the number. Now they pull back and they do a retest, make it look like a failure and then they fill the gap and the rest is history. So we don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but when you've read this book before, it's in the back of your mind, and when the chart begins to set up a certain way, you start to look back and say, hey, what are the possibilities? Well, we know the possibilities. They can fail, that's item number one. Item number B is they can go fill the gap, they can gap over the gap, they can run sideways for a few days. Those are the possibilities. Now we boil it down to each and every day and the intraday activity, to pick up on exactly what they're doing so that we can take advantage of it from a trading perspective. This is all part and parcel to showing up in uniform, ready to go. Before we move on to some of the other charts, the intraday stuff, so that we can get a handle on what they're likely gonna do sooner than later, let's just put a couple of things together and understand what was inside my head going into a recent trade. Yesterday, we bought Penn National Gaming, and not that 7007 was the buy number, that's a different story in and of itself. The buy was slightly higher, but in the alert, I said they could go down to 70. I didn't think they were gonna do it like within the next hour. And what that is, it's partially the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew at work, but also what they do is they team up with Murphy. You know Murphy? Murphy's Law, what can go wrong, will go wrong, you know that story. I put out a trade alert and it immediately goes lower as soon as it hits the inbox. Now check this out. Low of day yesterday was $70.08. My secondary number was 70.07, but I'm not gonna do anything into the closing bell. But that's not the point that I'm making here. I wanna show you something. So this was sent out to the Lazy Swing Trader members yesterday afternoon. Here's my own personal list of stocks. It's sorted by the most up on the day all the way down to the most down on the day. There's about 430 some odd stocks on this list. Penn is in the eighth position, up over 5% today. There's a method to the madness. I'm gonna show you why. Not that it's a direct reason, like a cause and effect kind of thing, but it all plays into everything that I teach every single day. They don't all work out like this, but some do, and a lot work out, period. First, we're in a time period, a zone where I believe that the market is going to put in at least a short-term low. Could have been a high, but as of this week, it looks like a low. I understand it was a couple of days early, but they're still putting in a low after being down a lot of days in a row. So I take that into account. Now, I go shopping. I'm looking for something to buy. I go to my watch list and I see what's coming close. What's close? Well, here's a daily chart. Were they coming in to run a test of an important breakup candle low? Was it this one here? No, they were already below it. What about this one? Well, this one's more important, the one on top of it. This isn't like an extreme breakup candle low, so that couldn't have been it. 
Was it this gap? Well, no, I jumped in before the gap, not knowing that they were going to fill the gap in like 20 minutes. Then what was it? Well, how about the weekly chart? So check this out. Here is a big substantial breakup candle. So they're down in the vicinity testing the low. So I take that information, the information of the possible low across the major markets. So if the market's going to get some kind of a short covering rally, squeeze, all that stuff, then a lot of stocks are going to go up too. So I want to look for an opportunity, not only that would participate, but what if the market doesn't go up? Is this stock coming into an important enough area that it would be supported anyway? That was an important piece of information. It's not a guarantee, but you come into a spot like this, and there's a pretty good chance that there's going to be a good old-fashioned bull-bear battle around that spot, at least on the first run. little good fortune along the way, the result is you get a little helping hand from the market, and you get a nice rally, and you get one with better relative strength than the rest of the market, telling you what? Telling you there's a good chance or high probability that they ran a test of an important spot, and that was a good test. Now we're back to the SPY. We'll take a look at the 240 chart. Anything relevant, anything different than we see on the other chart, the daily chart? Well, what jumps out at me is the same gap. That's important. That is officially 441.42, but here's the deal. You have a convergence of moving averages right on top of the gap. They'll be at slightly different numbers tomorrow, but when you have that, you have a gap, you have a convergence of moving averages, and you've been up in a very short period of time a lot, you have to look at that and say, hey, chances are that's going to be, if they come straight into it, pretty good garden variety of overhead resistance. What do you have on the 120-minute chart? You have much of the same routine. You have the gap, and then you have a 200-period moving average just over the gap. So again, that general area... And I'm not trying to pinpoint it here to the dime or to the quarter. What we're saying is that general zone, if they run up there and spike it tomorrow morning, there's a good chance that you're going to find overhead resistance and they're going to have to take a break for a while, a la should be a pullback. Now, we'll throw something in for good measure. It's one of those, but wait, there's more. It begins to become a full stack when you consider something else that's taught in the course, lazy e-mini trader. All these things are taught in the course, and guess what? There's something that's obvious. It's an entire module or more in the course, and it creates a full stack of overhead resistance. The where, precisely where, will be provided to inside the number members in the morning, of course. The hourly chart looks slightly different. The 50-period moving average on the hourly chart is actually right above current price, not too far above it, and actually below the gap. So we're not in the camp to say that the 50-period moving average on this chart would provide the same type of resistance we just looked at on the two other charts. And here's the reason why. Because they ran up in the vicinity of that this afternoon, they didn't get to the 50, and then they ate some time off the clock, so it's not the same. It changes. It can be resistance, 
but it's certainly not the same resistance that we just looked at, for example, on the 240 or the 120 chart. You have to understand the difference between moving averages and why they may be different on a variety of different charts. How you doing? By the way, a little odd today to see what we saw. What do I mean by that? The market ran up from the morning session into the Fed announcement rather than kind of waiting in a chop shop formation, quote unquote, waiting on the Fed. Instead, we had a big bullish move into the meeting, and then they basically didn't do much other than have that EKG type of movement. Is that significant? Can we use that information? Not really. Just figured I'd mention it. What about inside the numbers? What's going on in there today? So here's what we'll do. We'll run through the commentary, and I'll highlight a few important points. We'll run through everything. You can pause the video and read the notes, go back to the charts, double-check the work, see if I'm bonkers, or at least what degree I'm bonkers. Then we'll circle back to stocks on the move and take a look at the good, the bad, and the fugly if it exists. It's hump and kabuki day. After a few attempts to stage a rally yesterday, the bulls were outgunned by the thieves in the middle of the night who jumped on the northbound express lane and stole the show. What do I mean by that? The futures went up overnight after selling off late in the day. The market sold off late yesterday, and then they had a jam session. This is what we call the thieves in the night. They don't let you in that part of the move. We've got the Fed announcement at 2 o'clock today. We know about that. Should be some excitement just because. The numbers. 436.03 is the early pivot. Opening the day above is further evidence the bulls mean business. Opening below isn't bearish, just not as good as above. There's some other stuff. You can read that for yourself. Here's what's important. Let's say Trick and Company pulls the rug out and opens the trap door. And here's what this means. We're going to go to the chart in a minute. They ran up in the pre-market, the overnight, the futures, all that stuff. And then they open the tape. The day opens at 9.30. And then they drop them. That's the shakeout operation. Pull the trap door. Where would they go to? And is it a buying opportunity? The early support zone and where the bulls need to play defense is the zone between 435.70 and 435.50. So we don't want to see them closing candles below 435.50. 10-minute candles, 15-minute candles. One is one thing. It begins to go two and three, like a 10-minute and a 15-minute, stuff like that. Then it begins to look like they're going to go in the other direction. That's the way I look at it anyway seems to work. Now let's keep something in mind. This is posted at zero dark 30. It's pre-coffee, at least for most people. You know the routine, right of the vertical is today's activity, five-minute SPY chart. The horizontal line is what? Of course, it's 435.50. What was low of day? Around 435. They opened, trap door, shakeout operation, support, turned around, went in the other direction, the rest is, as they say, history. Let's see what else we have in the notes. And here it is, 9.32. They're doing the thing where they run a test of the zone around 4.35.50 or so. No surprise, closing candles above 4.35.50 is bullish. Need I say anymore? If they stay above, they'll go run a test of 4.36.40 and then 4.36.85 and then it goes on from there. And this is within the first five minutes of the day, and it starts before the opening bell. In uniform, 
ready to go. About 9.37, looking for about two bucks on FedEx for a base hit. 9.43, FedEx delivered a base hit in the book. The rest is trader's choice. Now, what I'm going to do from here is just scroll up. You saw the thing. You saw the whole day. You saw what I was saying. There's more stuff in here. And if you're interested, you'll pause the video, you'll read the notes, and you'll double-check the work to find out if this is something that you can utilize for your benefit during the trading day to do what? To make money. That's what this is here for. This was some post-Fed stuff. And then here's the shortlist today because the market was getting a dose of the goose operation in the early morning hours. So when that happens, a lot of stocks just float around. So here we had three on the list. FDX, FedEx, INCY, and UPS. UPS didn't hit its number. It's off the board. FedEx, on the other hand, hung around that number all day long. We'll get to what happened at the open in a moment, but think about this for a second. So A, the stock closed yesterday at 252.08, getting a pretty good haircut, especially for FedEx at the opening bell. So it's down about 20 bucks or so at the open, and you pick off the low by like 50 cents, right? The low was 228.98, 52 cents. And what happened minutes later, they gave the two bucks and then some. So we call it a minimum required base hit. And you never know which ones are going to provide the rocket ride. We didn't know that FedEx was going to hang around all day or maybe get into no man's land and get up back up to 240. Who knows? You never know. So we take the base hit. And if they come back down, it's called a risk-free, emotionless opportunity. You can't take a loss in the trade. Worst case is you take the second half or the remainder off above or at worst case, break even. They got almost back to 233. Here the high was 232.77, and the high here was 232.95. Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. Not a tremendous trade, but guess what? That coupled with the SPY trade in the morning, what more do you need? Any more is in the nice-to-have camp. INCY was a no trade, came into the number at the end of the day. Here the low was 70.06 against 70.05. Here the low was 70.05 against 70.05. They bounce up to a high of 70.47. Not enough. Nobody's taken that trade A into the end of the day and B after they ate time off the clock over it all day long. I'm just saying the numbers pretty much work any way you look at it. And then they go lower into the end of the day. Doesn't count, doesn't matter. Nobody's in that trade. If they come into it early, you get this larger movement out of it. But as the day goes on, the market gets quieter and quieter, and the volume gets lighter and lighter, you could see the candles get narrower and narrower. That's why we want the trade in the morning, not in the afternoon. And I'll bet something for some of you, I'll bet a light bulb just went on with the last thing I just said. No doubt in my mind. Sometimes it's the manner in which you say something and what you visualize, what you look at. doesn't change any of the information that I've ever given you before, but how I describe the reason not to take an afternoon trade in most cases is interesting, isn't it? The volatility got sucked out of the market. That happens almost every single day. What's going on over in Camp IWM? 
They had a nice big day today, up 1.5% over 3 bucks. It came into the 50-period moving average. They spiked it pretty good. They filled that gap. So they're a little bit ahead of the SPY. So how do we look at that? Well, this is my favorite market-leading indicator, so we have to look at it as it's leading in the upward direction. For now, we just take it for what it is. Relative strength against the SPY or as compared to the S&P 500. Fair enough, take it for what it is. It didn't all of a sudden turn bullish, but it was a bullish day, and the outcome was we have to look at it like this. There's probably, and I say probably because this is the 80-20 rule again, probably more upside for the market after the low they just made. It's probably not going to be just a two-day bounce and then they kill them. It can be, and if they do, it'll be in the 20% camp. And I'm not hedging. I'm saying I don't think they will, but I'm aware that they can. My personal feeling, and this is not from a technical perspective, this is using all the information I have, using common sense, using the 80-20 rule, I would say there's probably more relief rally off that low, likely some trickery ahead of time or first, but there's probably more rally time off that low. Let's take a look at the VIX. So here's something I want to point out. Let's just look at it this way. The VIX finished near or on the lows, not on the lows, close enough to near the lows. Now, granted, there's a gap down there. They filled the gap, but that's not the point. Here's the point. The SPY did not finish on the highs, and there is not, and I repeat not, a direct correlation between where the SPY is and where the VIX is. It has nothing to do with it, but it has a lot to do with it. The point is that the VIX finishing on the lows is certainly not a hint that they're going to pull the rug out of the market tomorrow. Now, they could, but it's not a hint that they will. So I'm just looking around the horn saying, do I have any evidence that I can put on the table to add to the pieces of the puzzle? And the VIX finishing at the lows is not necessarily telling us that we're going to get a collapse in the stock market and a spike in the VIX tomorrow. Here's an hourly chart. It's not like they were buying protection into the close. That's the point. Again, not a cause and effect, not a direct correlation to whatever's happening tomorrow morning. All I'm saying is we're looking around the horn. We're taking in information, big data. We need data, data. Personally, I like saying data. Let's chalk one up for the bear guys. What about the folks down at the transportation department? They didn't rally today. They sold today. They finished near the lows. They're dripping lower. They're below all the moving averages. They are my favorite canary in the coal mine. So what are the transports telling us? If they have to tell us anything, they're not telling us bulls are in charge. They're telling us the bears are in charge. They continue to drip lower because they haven't reached at least an interim destination yet. That's why this stuff happens. The SPY, for example, the other day reached an interim destination turned around, went back in the other direction. This kind of had a bounce, but you can see it's not the same routine. This transportation chart hasn't reached a destination of meaningful value yet. Again, that's the way I look at it. You're inside my head, put the galoshes on. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Q people? They're in the same camp as the spy people. They're going to fill the gap unless something wacky happens and we go into the 20% camp and they just fall apart. Trickery first, likely, but the conversation is really the same. And by the way, 
there is one more element to this conversation is remember, they never made the lower low behind its Irene number. That's important information. XLF, they came into the support area the other day. They're trying to rally away. However, they've run into some trouble around the 100 period moving average. Now, if they get back inside that area between those moving averages, between the 50 and the 20, well, that's fine. Then they can work their way over the 20. But maybe, and just maybe, all they had was what we call a reactionary bounce into overhead resistance. We don't know yet, but that's the look on the chart thus far. Will they fill their gap? Most likely, yes. Similar routine to the last few charts on Smash Mouth. They haven't filled the gap yet. They're close to it. They're a little bit ahead of other stuff. So you have the Qs ahead. You have the Smash Mouth ahead. You have the transports lagging. They're the canary in the coal mine. You have a lot of divergences going on, and that's what makes a market. They're supposed to make it not easy. They're supposed to make it difficult. The chart basically looks similar to the Qs, similar to the SPY, similar to everything else that found the low on Monday, and here we are today. Finishing near the highs, that's again more bullish. It kind of goes in concert with the conversation from the VIX chart. And this is a leading indication of the tech space. And if tech is going to pull the other parts of the market up, you have to pay attention to this stuff. I treat each chart independent of one another, but it all works together in the end. That's why it's dangerous to be inside my head. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is a true and accurate statement. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.